So that's the road that we're on. And it's a good road to be on, isn't it? Not an easy road, but it's the road that we're on. All right, at this time, Children's Church is dismissed. And um, Katie, you can lead your troops out. So if you are between the ages of four and fifth grade, and I'm not sure who is all helping you today, but um, you may be dismissed at this time, all right? Looks like Evan's going to help out there. All right, you guys are good. Also, I want to just say a couple of thank yous. First off, I forgot to say thank you. I sent Mark a text message this morning, and I was, I was thinking about the pictures that I saw on Facebook this last week that Mark took of the eclipse. That's what, what you saw right there. Mark did that. He took those. And those are incredible pictures. And so this morning I was thinking, my favorite verse in the Bible is Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. They're speaking. We just have to listen. And I thought, man, this morning I thought, Mark, those pictures, they speak. And so I sent him a text message. If it's not too last minute, Mark, could you throw those up? Mark, thank you. Excellent photography. Well done. And then I was also thinking, um, this last week I, I, was, I talked with Mike, our head elder. We met together and we prayed on, on Friday. And I was saying, I really think that it's important to uh, recognize an attitude of gratitude. And I've been here for a week and a half now. And I told Mike, I said, Mike, it's pretty incredible what we have. Four ladies who give of their time each week who come into the office volunteering their time to serve as our secretary. So I just want to say a big thank you to the ladies that we have who give faithfully. So Pat, Iris, Sue, and Marilyn, thank you very much for giving of your time each week. We really appreciate that. That's what makes us body. Yeah, that's right. That's what makes us a body here, and that's what makes us function well when we do that. So thank you so much. Now, um, this last week, I was looking at some of the magazines or books that my wife likes to collect. All right. So there's this book here. It says, so you are going to be married. Copyright 19. 37. That's why she likes it. It's old, all right? She likes old stuff like that, okay? Um, And my apologies, I'm not trying to, maybe you're saying, I was born in 1937, (laughs) or earlier. (laughs) So sometimes I like to read through this stuff, and I just see how things have kind of changed a little bit. Almost everything in this book it's all changed. If this, was a, a, this would just not work today in 2017 as the manual for, so you're going to get married. So I was just looking through and they had, I had to learn about this because we did this wrong when we got married 18 years ago to announce that you are, quote, at home The use, I quote, the use of at-home cards is a convenience to the bride and her friends. 
They are often an aid in tiding over that lull, which, see, which sometimes is rather depressing when home again, John, husband, throws himself once more into his work and the bride feels somewhat de- deserted because, of course, she's not working. This is 1937, right? The at-home card is not exactly an invitation to call, but it is a sign that after a certain date, the new bride will be at home and available to her friends who wish to see her. Also, it avoids possible embarrassing calls before the time when the newlywed is ready to receive guests. At-home cards. I didn't do that one. Should have done that one, I guess. 1937. Great book here. I'm not trying to make fun of the book. I love the book. That's why we have the book, all right? but we just have not done very well according to this book. December 1953. Popular mechanics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so these are, these are fun to look through. We have a bunch of these old magazines at our house. Got to find my bookmark here. Um, there was, in 1953, I quote, there's all these pictures of tinfoil. With a surprising number of newfound uses around the home, aluminum foil is fast becoming commonplace. Wow. (laughs) Although you're no doubt familiar with this versatile product, here are some practical applications of of aluminum foil. And it goes on. I'll just mention a few. One is that you can wrap your yams with them. All right. If you need to wrap those yams, there you go. Aluminum foil. All right. Another one. Dresser top drawers can be protected from spills of perfume. Put, line those drawers with aluminum foil. Another one. Foil wrapped around medicine bottle caps prevents dangerous mistakes. Good to know. Are your, are your medications wrapped with that kind of stuff? Uh, one more here. Used to decorate coat hangers. <laughs> Did not know that. 1953. One more. My wife has this one too. Family Circle. October 23rd, 1978. I was browsing through this one this last week. Sears Kenmore. What was the modern convenience of this day? I heard it. Microwave. It was the microwave. Wow. They had four different options that you could purchase for the microwave. All right. And there's a full ad here. And, And then just some things that you need to know about your microwave. 1978. kind of fun to go back in time like that. The grass withers and the flowers fall. We get that, don't we? I get that. You get that too, don't you? Calvin gets that. It's it's end of August. The grass withers and the flowers fall and we're seeing that. And my lawn right now, and it's supposed to be close to 100 today and tomorrow again. And my water bill, moving to West Salem, welcome to West Salem. And I thought, 
My goodness, I have to be more careful how much I water my lawn. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's expensive. Um, there's, some, there's some brown spots. The grass is withering. And the flowers, they fall. But the word of God stands forever. The word of God stands forever. Aren't you glad that the word of God lasts? It does not change. It remains stable and constant. We need that. I need that. You need that. We all need that. The word of God. I'm amazed at how it is still just as relevant today in the year 2017 as it was when it was first written. I am amazed at no matter what culture you go to, it is still just as much relevant for that culture or for any people group. It doesn't matter the age bracket. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that there is something that unites us? There's about three or four generations represented right here in this building today. Isn't it wonderful to have something that unites us together? It's the word of God. These books have changed. This book remains the same. It remains constant and it always will. And we can, we can take that to the bank. That's what I like to say sometimes. It's certain. Take your Bibles. Turn to Acts chapter 17. And join me there this morning. Acts chapter 17. People of the book. It's what I desire we would be together. A people of the book. Acts chapter 17, we're going to look this morning at verses 10 through 15. I want to give you just a little bit of background information here, uh, what's taking place before this. We will not read these verses, but Paul and his companion Silas has, has just left a large city of about 200,000 people called Thessalonica. And it was there at Thessalonica where Paul and Silas preached the word. And it was his custom to go first to the synagogue and first communicate the truth of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, to the Jew, beginning first with the Jew. And so it says that he went for three Sabbaths, three Saturdays, Three weeks he went to the synagogue and he proclaimed the truth. He would have no doubt been proclaiming the truth of Jesus, that he died on the cross for sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again just like he claimed that he would, and that salvation comes only through Jesus. And that it is by faith, nothing that we can do. He would have been proclaiming that message to these Thessalonian believers. What happened when he proclaimed this message at Thessalonica? Well, it says that some Jewish people responded favorably and they received the gospel. They took it in. They believed in Christ. They believed the message. But it also says that a lot of them became agitated and they did not like this message. And it says that they actually went out and they found in Thessalonica 
this back then major city, they found these, quote, troublemakers. And they said, I need you. I want you to come and do this work. And they stirred a riot in the city. And once there was a riot, and we know riot, don't we? We see that in the news. We understand riot. There, There was a riot, and this riot went to Jason's house, where they knew that Paul and Silas were staying. And they went there to go find him. And the believers understood that Paul and Silas needed to go. And so it was during the night that Paul and Silas took off. And they escaped. And they went 46 miles south to a small town, smaller town, called Berea. And that's where this text picks up here in verse 10. Follow along. Acts 17, 10, it says, As soon as it was night, remember, they're going out at night. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Again, this was their custom. This is what they did. They first would go to the Jew and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And this is what they did. Verse 11. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Interesting it says that, isn't it? They were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Why? Why were they noted as being of more noble character? It tells us. It goes on. For... They received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They were, they were eager. They were ready. I, I want to hear the message. I want to know. But they were not just so... They, they were open, but they were not just so open that, okay... Anything that I hear in the name of, of quote, Christianity, I'm going to receive. No, there was this, I am going to find out if this message is real. And so they were examining, examining the message. And by the way, as they did, and they compared it to Scripture, they, they were doing this. They had the Old Testament. They didn't have this yet. And so they are examining the message that Paul and Silas were communicating, and they were asking themselves this question, is this consistent with what God has already revealed to us? Is this consistent? And I applaud them because they were willing to examine it. I applaud them because there was this part of them that was very open, understanding that that they had this attitude of, I believe they had this attitude of, I have not arrived. I don't know everything. I am still learning. And so when they were confronted with what we would say is truth, they were still saying, I want to examine this and see if this is the truth. And once they were convinced that this is the truth, they received it with eagerness. They, they joyfully took it in really quick. You and I, 
We are bombarded today with message after message. Some of the messages, I believe, in the name of Christ might be real and some might be false. And I believe that you and I must always win just because something is, quote, Christian. Doesn't mean that I just take it in. I believe that you and I are called to always do the same thing. Examine what we are being fed. Examine it and determine, is this accurate in light of what God has already revealed to me? But I love it because when we know that this is true, there was an eagerness to receive it, to listen to it, to adhere to it, to obey it. Let's read on. Verse 12. What was the result? This shouldn't surprise us. Verse 12. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. What happened when the truth of the gospel was taught? People got saved. That is what happened. That's what should happen. That's the work of the Holy Spirit preparing people's hearts. And when they heard the truth of the gospel, they responded. And they received Christ. It was, note, it was both Jewish people and it was Gentile, Greek people. It was both ladies and men. Both. I I love that. And... You have perhaps heard this truth, and I love this truth. And I don't, I don't know, I've, I've heard that perhaps probably approximately about 85% of people who receive Christ as their Savior do so prior to turning 15. Which means that there is incredible opportunity with children and youth. What a wonderful mission filled in the sense of Preach the gospel to those who are younger because hearts are ripe for the harvest. But I also want to point out here that these were men. These were women. These were adults. And I love it that when they were confronted with truth, God the Holy Spirit did the work, prepared their hearts, and they gave their lives to Christ. You see, Jesus is not only for children. He is for those who are younger, but Jesus is for all ages, for all people. And these people understood that. And once they understood it, they applied themselves to this truth. Verse 13. This also probably shouldn't surprise us. When the Jews in Thessalonica... That's 46 miles north. Back then, that was a long distance. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens And then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Paul 
continued to do his work. He went to Athens. He proclaimed the truth of the gospel there. But it shouldn't surprise us that there was opposition to Paul and what he was doing. Anytime the gospel is taught and proclaimed, there will be opposition. And that should not surprise us. It happened then and it will happen today. And that's what happened. And it happened in the name of religion. And there was Jewish people who went up and they were agitated. And they tried to thwart what Paul was doing. And they tried to rouse people up in Berea where good things were happening. And many people responded to the truth of Jesus. And they did that there too. And you know what? That's okay. And Paul used that as his opportunity for saying, it's time for me then to go to Athens. And he proclaimed the truth of the gospel there. And people received Christ there as well. Paul continued. Why do I share this this morning? I share this because I desire that Kingwood Bible Church be a people of the book. That you and I would be a people of the book. The Word of God. The written Word of God. Last week, I, I told, I said that Jesus will be central here at Kingwood Bible Church. That is a building block. If we are to do anything good here, Christ must be central and he will be central. And I am adding on to that building blocks in my, in my mind, building blocks as to where are we going as a church body. If we are to accomplish anything good, I am saying this, you and I, are going to be a people of the book. We are a people of the book. Just as these people understood something, they examined the scriptures. They examined the scriptures to know, is this true? And as they were confronted with truth and they recognized truth, they said, yes, that's truth. That is the direction that we go. But in order to understand what truth is, We must be a people of the book. Are you a person of the book? To be a person of the book means I must be in the book. In the written word of God. To know the truth. God has given us what he sees fit for us to know. I'll be honest, there are times where I wish that God would have written more on certain subjects. But God in his sovereign knowledge knew that Nate does not need to know. It is a, it was sung about, it's faith. It is, I don't know everything, but I know enough. For my faith to be solid. Are you in this book? 
It doesn't matter if you are 13 years old, 45 years old, or 81. This book is for you. And this book is for me. We must, we must be in this book if we are to accomplish that which God wants to accomplish. Are you in this book? This is a foundation. This is a foundation for where we're going. Led by the Lord, what I believe He is wanting us to do here. And you know what? I'll be honest. This is not rocket science. This is just simply clearly laid out. God makes this clear. When we follow this book, my job as your pastor becomes a bit easier. Because I already have the manual. And I am studying it. Desiring to know this book. And I trust that you are joining me in also being a student of this book, the Word of God. I want you to join me in prayer. And then I'm going to turn this over to Pastor Gary, who's going to lead us in communion, remembering again Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. One of the foundation foundations of this body right here. Join me in prayer. Father, I pray that we, like the Berean believers, would be a people of the book. I pray that we would know the word of God. To know it, we must be in it. I pray that we are studying it. When we come across things that are difficult for us to understand or accept, I pray that we are having conversation with those who are also in the book. Father, your spirit is doing a work. But I believe in order for us to know what your spirit is doing, we must be grounded in the truth, the book. Because your spirit will never do anything contrary to what is already revealed in the word of God. Father, I thank you for this body. This is family. And it is a privilege for us to gather together. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.